uh, in the book of Second Chronicles, I know everyone's favorite book in the Bible, uh, Solomon asked uh, for, for wisdom. God said, I'll give you whatever you ask for, and Solomon did the right thing and asked for wisdom, and so God gave him wisdom in abundance, so much so that Solomon is known as the wisest person to ever live. And then uh, he shared in the book of Ecclesiastes, which I got to help uh, one of our sons uh, write a paper about recently, uh, how all of that was filled with joy and pain, uh, having wisdom. And so we're going to talk about wisdom today. And uh, James already, before chapter 3, he's already talked about wisdom twice in how we endure trials and difficulty and uh, how to use wisdom when we speak uh, to one another, that we need to use wisdom in our speech. And so today in chapter 3, uh, in verses 13 through 18, uh, we're going to see more uh, of that wisdom uh, play out. So if you've got a Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn there and be ready because the question for all of us to ask is, do you have wisdom? Now, wisdom sometimes is granted to people who have little hair or gray hair. That's not always true. Uh, people with little hair or gray hair may or may not have wisdom uh, in a particular moment. But all of us can have wisdom. So the question is, do you have it? Do you have wisdom? Do you seek after wisdom? Do you long to make the right decision in the right moment? Because wisdom is a lot like driving a car. Uh, some of you learn to drive, uh, if you're my age or maybe a little older, you learn to drive a car on a standard shift vehicle that had maybe three, four, or five gears today. Now they have six uh, gears and a manual transmission. Uh, some of you, uh, like me, took driver's ed in school. Like they actually had it in school. I took it in high school. Got to drive one of those cool 1980s Volvos, you know, that are real boxy but safe, right? They were boxy but safe. Uh, some of you endured parent taught, and you've lived to tell about it. And so have your parents, mostly. But making the right decision at the right time, being wise, is a lot like driving on the freeway. Because in a crisis moment, that is not the time to question the mechanics of combustion engines. That's not the moment to wonder, do I know how all these parts and pieces work together? When everyone in front of you is slamming on the brakes, that's probably not the moment to decide whether or not you know everything you need to know about ABS and rack and pinion steering. Now, what you need to know is how to slam on that wide pedal, not the thin one. That's wisdom in action. How to have your hands in the old days at 10 and 2 or nine and three, and now four and eight, thanks to airbags, so you don't break your arms when that airbag goes off. There's a tip if you didn't know. Now you're wise beyond your years. But like driving, wisdom is responding correctly to the environment around you, to, to what's presented to you in the moment. It, it's applying the great or the little knowledge that you have, because we don't always have a lot of knowledge 
about a situation or a moment or an experience, but it's applying whatever knowledge you have in that moment. And so James is going to share with us some more wise words about how to be wise. And so in James 3, verse 13, it says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. As James writes in this chapter, as he writes to these Christians uh, spread across the known world at the time, uh, he's making an assumption, and I've shared this every week, he's making an assumption that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The, the only way to experience true wisdom is to have faith in Jesus Christ, just like these two young ladies expressed today publicly, that we've put our hope and our trust in Jesus. Because there are two tests, there are two tests for your wisdom. The first question was, do you have wisdom? There are two tests that James says. One is good conduct and meekness. Both of those are impossible without Jesus Christ. They're impossible without Jesus Christ. And so good conduct is, is about living well. It's about living above reproach. Uh, noble living is the way one commentator put it, that, that not that we're above everything, no, but we're honorable in how we live. We live above reproach that no one in my circle of influence or even those that don't know me can point to me and say, you know what, I have this against you. You have sinned in this way. You have fallen short in this way. It's not that you're perfect, but you stand before humanity in a right place. Good conduct that's impossible without faith in Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God living in you to make that happen. And then that idea of meekness, which is power under control. That I use my strength, my authority, my power, everything that I have at my disposal, I use it in the right way under control. So often, we use our power without control. We beat people over the head with our truth, our belief, our idea. When really the person of meekness understands that their authority comes with responsibility. And so I have a responsibility to you to use my strength in the right way. So if you want to be a wise person, not a wise guy, a wise person, then your life should be defined by good conduct and meekness. And those are only possible through the person of Jesus Christ. Because otherwise, your wisdom won't be true wisdom. It won't be true wisdom that gets shared. It'll be false wisdom. 
Because a wise person does not seek glory or gain, but that's exactly what a person who's spouting false wisdom does. James spends most of the passage talking about those who would seek gain, those who would share false witness. Because if the evidence of true wisdom is good conduct and meekness, then the evidence of false witness is bitterness, envy, jealousy, selfish ambition. It's been said that envy is starting with empty hands and wanting something that someone else has. So it's me with empty hands wanting to take what you have. That's envy. I want what you have. Jealousy is just the opposite. Jealousy is I have full hands and I want to make sure you get none of it and I'll even take some of yours if you don't mind. Envy means I want what you have. Jelly says you cannot have anything that I have. Envy, bitterness, jealousy. The idea here of this, this bitter jealousy is a, is a zeal, the selfish ambition. There's a zeal, an excitement. It's like someone has gotten to their boiling point and, and they're going to go full out and nothing is going to stop them. You, you've watched water boil where you've seen it in the pot and, and it's right there at 211 degrees, 99 degrees Celsius for you Canadians in the room. You, you've seen it. It's right there, it's almost there, and then all of a sudden it just takes like a couple little bubbles and then boom. That's the idea of zeal, that, that it's going to explode at some point. That's this person. Selfish ambition, a zeal that boils over, a desire to be first. I have to have it my way. They live with a chip on their shoulder like everyone is against them. And so they have to prove themselves over and over again because they can't rest in who they are. Because they don't understand power under control. They hold this idea that their opinions and beliefs are right no matter what. That it's going to be my way because I want it my way. And you can't convince them otherwise. A wise deacon once told it to me like this. He said, a person who holds a belief without reason cannot be convinced otherwise with reason. Just take a look at our political landscape today. You get evidence of this. But it's also true of us in our interactions with others that we hold beliefs sometimes just because I believe what I believe. And we have heard it from so-and-so who heard it from so-and-so who heard it from so-and-so. Or we think we saw this and then we conjure up this narrative that doesn't exist, but we hold on to it. And so then I'm going to push that narrative because it's going to be my way. Selfish ambition, jealousy, bitterness, and so we hold on to a belief without reason, and no matter how much evidence is presented to us, we will not believe otherwise. That's what James is getting at. That's false wisdom. And the Bible calls that three very strong words. That false wisdom is earthly, mundane, temporary, kind of like no good. It's just not really worth It's worthless. It's no good. But if that's not bad enough, James takes it up a notch and he says it's not just earthly, 
It's not just sort of worthless and mundane and no good. No, it's unspiritual. Ooh. The opposite of spirit-led. As a follower of Christ, our goal in life is to be led by the Spirit of God who lives in us. And James says, when we spread false witness out of ambition, bitterness, jealousy, anger, frustration, whatever, we're going against the Spirit of God. And then if that weren't bad enough, he takes it up another level. And he says, it's demonic. Whoa. Like, I didn't think it was that bad. That's usually how we look at our own sin. It's not that bad, but they... Demonic, devil-like, totally against the things of God. Hmm. And the result of that is disorder. Disorder, disharmony, antagonism, bitterness, and every vile practice. I'm not sure how many of you use the word vile these days. Probably not many of you. But every horrible thing you can think of, that's the result of selfish, bitter, jealous wisdom and thought. Every vile practice. You might have said at some point in your life to someone, you know what? He opened Pandora's box. You, you might have used that phrase or heard it. Students, your parents probably said it to you. But you know who Pandora is? Good. Uh, Pandora is a figure in Greek mythology. Now, do you know what mythology is? The study of myths. That's what the word means, study of myths. So is Greek mythology real? No, thank you, but it makes great literature. And so in Greek mythology, Pandora receives a gift on her wedding. Pandora's a female. Hey, what do you know? Uh... No judgment. Uh, Zeus gives Pandora a box on her wedding and says, Pandora, do not open the box. Zeus, buddy, come on. What does Pandora do? Opens the box because not just Pandora would have done that, you would have done it opens Pandora's box, and all the evil in the, in the world, in existence, flies out. All the spirits of evil fly out to humanity. That's the story of Pandora's box. James is saying here that when you and I, out of selfish ambition, out of bitterness, envy, jealousy, we spout off all the things that we think are wrong about the world and right about me, to everybody you know, that's what we do. We spread every vile practice that's not just earthly and mundane, not just against the Spirit of God, but it's actually like the devil. We open Pandora's box. Now, the crazy thing about that story in Pandora's box is that there was one thing that was left in the box. Hope. Hope. In the story of Pandora's box, the only thing that got left in the box that Pandora got was hope to comfort the suffering of humanity. 
But when you and I refuse to be led by the Spirit, to conduct ourselves in a way that matters to God and matters to others, when we fail to control ourselves, it leads to chaos. But true wisdom, true wisdom from above is pure and gracious and giving. That's what I want our lives to model, is purity and grace, an attitude of generosity and giving. And so James, as he compares these two ideas of false wisdom and true wisdom, he talks about a number of characteristics. He says, first of all, it's pure. And pure means without mixture, without anything else messing it up. I don't know if you've watched these crazy gold rush shows on Discovery Channel where, where they go out and they mess around in the water for, you know, 10 minutes and they have $1,000. Like, I want to do that. Or, or they buy all this expensive machinery and they tear up the dirt and they get a dollar. Like, you know, that's, that's what makes good TV. But they take that gold and they go and they smelt it. And they put it in the fire up to a, over 1,000 degrees to, to melt that gold down. And what happens when that gold melts, all the impurities rise to the top and they skim it off and then they do it again. And so when you have 10 carat, 14 carat, 18 carat, 24 carat gold, those numbers translate to how pure that gold is. Because that process of smelting of burning the impurities off so there can be 99.9% pure gold. But the great thing about being a follower of Jesus is that he gives us the opportunity to be 100% pure without sin because of his sacrifice on the cross. Even he said himself, Jesus, blessed are the pure in heart. And so do you desire to live a life of purity? The struggle is most of us don't mind a little mixed in every now and then. A little bit of the world mixed in occasionally. And James says, if you want to be a person of wisdom, if you want to be a person who understands the right thing at the right time, then your life is defined by purity a pureness of heart that can only come from a life connected to Jesus Christ because we cannot do it on our own. Pure and full of peace. You're peaceable. Does peace describe your life? Do harmony and calm define you? We say to people all the time, calm down. Calm down. We're an excitable generation. Does calm define you? And sometimes that calm down is, is maybe not because you're mad or angry. Sometimes it's because you're like over the top excited. Last night, you might know that the Wofford Terriers won their basketball game. So there was someone in our house that was excited about that. And we didn't tell her to calm down. That should give you an indication. There's only one of those people in our house. <laughs> A her. We didn't tell her to calm down. We, we got excited too. And, and my team won also, right? So we were excited. But, but does calm and peace define who you are? Or are people always telling you, hey, settle down, relax. 
chill out. A person of wisdom is a person who's a, a person of peace and calm, one who's gentle, a, a person who gives grace. As the scripture says, a soft answer turns away wrath. I, I was with some folks a, a few weeks ago, and they have a three-year-old and a one-year-old son, two sons, one's three, one's one. And so I asked them, I said, hey, how's the three-year-old handling the one-year-old, the little brother? Because I know a thing or two about little brothers and how they might treat each other. And, and the mom was like, well, man, he has his moments. And at that moment, he was being very gracious and kind to his little brother. His little brother had kind of fallen. And so he picked him up and he gave him a hug and was nice. And she's like, and then, you know... Sometimes it's we use our hands for blessing and we're nice and we don't do this. And about that time, the big brother like wham on the back of the head. <laughs> Gentleness matters. So how do we handle the people in our lives with gentleness and grace or do we just smack them upside the head because they need it? Someone who's full of purity and peace and gentleness a person of reasonableness. Reasonable is two words that are actually jammed together that mean the opposite of stubborn. Now, most of us think the opposite of stubborn is someone who just gets run over all the time. Because we think of stubborn actually as a, as a good quality here in Texas. We stand our ground and, you know, no one's going to mess with us, right? That's kind of how we view it. But no, someone who's reasonable, who's open to listening, who's open to God's leading, who's teachable. Do you allow people to speak truth into your life? And, and are you able to do the same with others in a way that honors them and doesn't put them in a defensive posture? That's what a reasonable person does. They, they can speak and listen so that the other person is not in a defensive posture. I'm going to be a person of reason. I want to be full of mercy and good fruit. I have compassion for others. That's what full of mercy means. I have compassion. And it's not just that I have compassion enough to see it and say, oh man, I feel terrible for them. Somebody should do something. No, if I'm a person of mercy and good fruit, I actually take that compassion and I act upon it. And there's a tangible result to how I want to follow after Jesus and express mercy and compassion to those who are needy, those who are hurting, those who are helpless. See James chapter 1 when he says, take care of the widows and the orphans. And so James's message doesn't change much in five chapters because most of us need repetition. We, we, we need to be encouraged over and over and over again in the same areas. That we would follow after Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That we would surrender our lives to him because none of this is possible without a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not, it is impossible. So he says, if you want wisdom, follow after me and these are the characters of wisdom. And he closes with this last one to be impartial and sincere. A person who is without hypocrisy. 
a person who is without judgment, a person who is real and authentic. And, and as you look at this list, it really is a list that describes the character of Jesus. There's not a big surprise here. Like, oh, well, all those things sound like Jesus to me because that's what you and I are supposed to live our lives like, like our Savior. We're supposed to model our lives after him who is the author of wisdom. He is the prince of peace. And that's the result when you and I live a life devoted to him. We're going to be pure. We're going to be gentle. We're going to be reasonable. We're going to be people of peace and calm. We're going to show compassion and mercy, and people are going to actually see a tangible result of that mercy and compassion. People won't have to guess if I'm saying one thing to you and a different thing to you. They're going to know that my answer is the same no matter who I speak with. I won't be two-faced. And all of that will lead to a harvest of righteousness sown in peace because I'm a person who makes peace in my wisdom. And so the, the question I have for you today as we, we wrap up is, do you create an atmosphere of peace wherever you go? Because that's the tangible result of a person of wisdom, is that I bring peace to moments. We're, we're really quirky about our personal space here in America. It's different in other parts of the world. I've been to Asia. They don't have that problem. I mean, they're on top of you. Freaks you out the first time. But think about that little personal bubble you have. Because all of us have that. Some of you, it's a little further away. Others, it's a little closer. But wherever you go, in that little bubble of personal space, am I creating peace in every environment where I take that little personal space? Am I creating peace? A am I setting an example of righteousness, what it means to have a right relationship with God? Does the character of Jesus shine through me? If he's the Prince of Peace and I'm his brother or sister, co-heir in Christ, then am I also a person of peace? Ready to share wisdom from above, not earthly, selfish wisdom, but wisdom from above. Are you allowing the light of Christ to shine through you? That's the question for the day. And you might be here this morning and you think, wow, um, I, I, I'm not really a person of peace and I don't have peace. But life is in full turmoil. Some of that I've caused and some of that others have caused. But, but I'm in turmoil. My life is not defined by peace. I want to invite you this morning that if you don't have peace, it, it begins with Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. And so I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus, to open your life to him and say, Lord, I need you because my life has fallen apart and I cannot put it back together. And so I need you to come and deliver me from the chaos of my own doing, my sin, and to rescue me so that I might have a testimony similar to Chloe and Mazzie's, that you rescued me from hopelessness and frustration and sin, that I may experience peace. 
So if you need peace today, I want to invite you in a moment. We're going to stand and sing to come and say, you know what, to one of us down front, say, hey, I need peace. I need Jesus. But I'm confident that there are others in this room that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've put your faith in Jesus. You have that testimony, but your life is still filled with some chaos. And peace doesn't rain down in your life right now. And so I want to invite you to come to the Prince of Peace, to call on his name and say, Lord, I trust you. I'm laying my life and my cares And so I believe that you will provide the peace that passes all understanding, as the scripture says. I'm looking for peace and I'm trusting in you. Maybe your life isn't defined by gentleness or purity. Maybe it's not reasonable these days and you've been on a roller coaster of emotion up and down and everyone in your world is experiencing it. You're like, Lord, I I need a reset that I may be a person of calm, that I may be a person of purity, that I may be a, a person who's reasonable and don't allow my emotions to get in the way. Maybe today you simply don't know what you need, but you know you need wisdom. You need the Lord to work in your life in some way. You don't understand what's going on, you have decisions to make, or maybe you have no decisions to make, but you're just flailing around rudderless, and you need direction from the Lord. I want to invite you today to respond to him, to invite him, to give you wisdom and peace, the one who gives generously. May we call on him so that we may receive wisdom from above. That's my prayer for each of us today. Will you bow with me?